You're listening to Like Nobody's Business, and I'm your host, Emily Castle. My clients call me a business strategist and leadership coach, but I'm also a published author, podcast host, and the founder of Woman Up. Since 2014, I've been helping women launch, scale, and lead sustainable, mission-driven businesses with intentional strategies that support the entire ecosystem of their work and life to thrive and regenerate again and again for the long haul while creating a category of one in their industries, innovating with purpose, and doing work that's deeply fulfilling. If you're a woman devoted to doing things differently, being disruptive in service of your mission, and you're ready to learn, grow, collaborate, cross-pollinate ideas, and work smarter alongside other women, founders, trailblazers, entrepreneurs, and business owners, you're in the right place. Welcome to the show and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to be here today with my best friend, Sydney Schof. She is the founder of Soul Refill, which is a doorstep delivery service free of excess excess packaging and single-use plastics in Pittsburgh. She's also the co-founder of InSpirit, a virtual yoga community for the seekers who want to integrate yoga into their life off the mat. And she's also my best friend and my semi-sister wife because we couldn't come up with a better term for what to call ourselves now that we've reached a status where I literally married her and her now (laughs) husband, Nate, um, because I officiated their wedding. And she is also a founding member of the Woman Up Community Membership. And before we started recording, we were talking, I was like, what do I call you? Like, obviously I know what you do, but like, what do I call you? How do I introduce you? And, and I was like, would you say founder of soul and re and co-founder of in spirit? And she was like, I struggle with the term founder. And I think this is something that most women entrepreneurs that I know do struggle with in a way. And it's sort of this like mental title that we're like, what? That sounds unfamiliar to me. Like, I don't think of myself that way. So I would love for you to start off by just sharing a little bit about like, what is it about that term? Or what is it about these other things of like, this is what I technically am, but do I call myself that? I feel uncomfortable with it. Like, I would love for you to share what that process is like in your mind. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. I think it's association for Mm -hmm. one. When I think of the word founder, I associate it with tech, tech bros and Silicon Valley. Oh, in my interesting. Mind. And it's almost as if I would like to create a new term for whatever it is that I'm on, which is like walking the path of building something that I believe in as mm-hmm. a female in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even the word, I remember the first time someone called me an entrepreneur and like I had never thought of myself as that mm-hmm. someone else said it first before my mind connected that that's what I was doing mm-hmm. so I mean I think that could say a lot about how we show up in business right mm-hmm. how I think a lot of it too um, the work I did prior to starting the businesses was shedding of identity and shedding of labels so my mind mm-hmm. comes in to say don't over associate with those things because you're more than that (laughs) Mm -hmm. and also like just being a multifaceted human like Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) labels and um these things that we call ourselves can hold us back in other ways too 
but they mm-hmm. could also be freeing. So yeah. yeah. And they can also, I think like the terms like founder, entrepreneur, CEO, whatever, are also ways that we can reclaim or claim a lot of the power that we do hold as women today, when often, like you were saying, like our association is maybe more masculine or maybe more like gendered in a way that we disqualify ourselves as women from taking on those terms or taking on those titles when really they are literally accurate. (laughs) And we just like, don't ascribe those to ourselves or we see ourselves in a different way or we see ourselves perhaps as like, less established or less legitimate to claim those things, even though they are actually exactly what that means. But I think- It makes me think of the two months prior to actually launching Solary Fell into the World, I was in deep work with my teacher, Ali Bogard, where we broke down every word. It's like Mm -hmm. redefining power what does that mean for Sydney? (laughs) What does that Mm. mean for me? Mm -hmm. And it was some of the most, I would say, intense um, eye-opening work I've ever experienced because you look at words like power, even founder, we Mm -hmm. didn't work on that one. We worked on power for sure, love. And you have to see like, okay, when you think of the word power, what is actually tied in your mind to power? What could it, what is it? What could it be? And then you have to rewire to really go down the path of like, what does power mean to you? And that takes a lot of mindfulness and work. And um, yeah, it's what needed to happen for me before even starting these businesses in a way that you're not just leaving your old life and bringing all of that life in with you Mm. (laughs) for the new one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really is like a setting where you choose, you know, what suitcases to take on the trip kind of mm-hmm. situation. Totally. Yes. I love that. I think it's, it's so interesting because I think a lot of women do struggle with those terms and there's so much inner work that we're all doing. I know for women up members, anyway, <laughs> we're all like yeah. deconstructing all of these things at the same time that we're building something new and building something that hopefully solves real problems in the world and is a legitimate, sustainable, profitable business and also sets us more free and also, and, and, and <laughs> like yeah. multi-dimensional women right. who are dynamic and, and doing things that are disruptive and innovative. I think there's a lot of inner work that comes along with that, which um, this kind of points to, too. Okay. So bring us back to that moment that, or maybe I don't know that I could personally identify a moment, so I'm not (laughs) going to pressure you to identify one moment, but Mm -hmm. how did you come up with the concept for Soul Refill and how did you know you wanted to start this business of all the businesses that you could start? Um, And how did you ultimately like intentionally refine the concept of what that, what Soul Refill now is? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting that you say. I mean, it's not just one thing, but what mm-hmm. I will say is, my a lot of my family own their own small businesses. My dad does, my mom does, my grandfathers did, um, uh, and it's just something that I was always around. So I I saw the the 
kind of the grit it takes to stay and do something while also having a bit of control over how your life plays out. I mean, to a certain degree until things like 2009 happen. Mm-hmm. But I saw um, just from experience with people building their own things. And I knew that it was something I always wanted to do. I had a lot of different work experiences from college. I, I only went to school two days a week. Like I went to school on Tuesday, Thursdays and was working Monday, Wednesday, Fridays throughout my entire college life. So I had a lot of experiences that some people wait till after school to start. Mm-hmm. I'd been working from the beginning. Um, so I worked nonprofit. I worked in corporate retail. I worked um, for a small business and just learn a lot about not only what I wanted, but what I didn't want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, through my whole journey working, I was always practicing and teaching yoga. I've been teaching for a really long time now, um, probably since I was 20. And you kind of observe the world in a different way. So I knew um, anything I would start, I don't want to cause harm in the world. <laughs> anything mm. I would start, I want to help people heal, be more aware. Um, so you start to grow this inner understanding and then this community understanding and then this like wide world understanding. So I always joke that I didn't grow up in a hippie household, but I always cared a lot about, you know, awareness, nature, the world around. So that led me to sustainability and diving into learning more about climate and some of the issues that we are going through that people, many people were paying attention to, but majority of people weren't at that time. And I started getting concerned. Um, So (laughs) it's like this small, it's like knowing I wanted to start something, a yoga journey, and then that kind of led me to these refill concepts of plastic being an issue in the world. It's like littering our planet doesn't go away. Learning more about recycling, how we were fed a myth of plastic recycling. It's not being recycled. So we've been lied to. That really made me mad. So (laughs) I started learning about refill concepts when we were traveling to places in the West. And when we were traveling to like Canada and seeing that there was these brick and mortar stores, we can take your own containers, refill. Um, And then, you know, you can do bulk shopping where you take your own container typically and fill. Um, So that seed was planted. I thought, oh, that could be a potential. I have a retail background. I have a customer Mm -hmm. service background. I like to build things like that could be something interesting. But the more I dove into the brick and mortar concept, like I love design. I was also in the art world. So I love spaces. The easy answer for me would be to open a brick and mortar store, right? Mm -hmm. I would love it. But I wanted to make the concept be as useful as possible. Meaning, how do you show up? How do people shop in now, 2023? Mm -hmm. Um, How do you kind of allow sustainable choices to actually be sustainable in someone's Mm day-to-day? I didn't want to like build a beautiful space with great items in there that are sustainable and then have to have people drive to me back and forth to get those items. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. to make this concept as useful as possible. Maybe I could do a delivery service and bring the items to there. <laughs> and that's where Soul Refill was born. I know that was a very long answer. Um, a lot of very smart people pushed me on the concept, which 
helped make it what it was today. So I also don't want to say that it was just me. I was in a program called Alt MBA, um, met amazing people there who really pushed me to refine the concept to be useful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that is so cool about I think what you're doing versus like a brick and mortar refill place is also like um like you were saying like the way that our behavior is today it's like we're we're doing yeah. Instacart we're doing Amazon Prime Whole Foods delivers everything yeah. delivers it's like the most obvious option and so what I love about what you're doing is that it's making that sustainable option just as convenient as the competitor. And I just think it's so smart. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. And I can't wait for you to be here in Charleston. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because it, I also know that I also don't want to feed into people's convenience either. Mm-hmm. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to do next day delivery. Right. Like the way that soul is set up is everyone has to have their order in by Sunday at 6 PM deliveries are always on Wednesday. It's like a milkman style, milkwoman mm-hmm. style where yeah. they, they leave out the empties on Wednesday morning. When I drop off their new order, I pick up the old ones and they get rewarded. And so I'm not, I'm not actually trying to do like next day delivery or like compete with an Amazon. What I want is for people to care enough to be slightly inconvenienced to have to get their order in. Mm-hmm. So that we can optimize routes and actually be more sustainable than delivering on whim. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like a mix, right? Of yeah. meeting people where they're at, but also like, you know, my people are the people that care enough to, mm-hmm. to maybe be slightly inconvenienced and not order on Amazon. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I love it because it does feel like even those people who would, it's like, oh, well, I'm still in the habit of like buying something online and having it show up at my door. And so you're, you're able to reach those people who are like, I hate Amazon. And then you're able to also speak to those people who are like, I love the convenience that comes with that. And you know, maybe it's not next day, but it's still delivered to my door and I don't have to haul all this stuff to a place and come back. Like I'm so less likely to do that. And so I think Mm -hmm. this is such a smart way to do that. And also, like you said, optimizing routes and actually having it be more like lowering carbon emissions. And I know part of your vision is also to have like, you know, an electric fan. Yeah. yeah. Like a more sustainable way to do that down the road. Um, right. So, yep. okay. Why? I feel like, what else do I want to ask you about that? What was the like problem solution gap that you noticed that existed either like within Pittsburgh or just in the world in general that this business that soul refill helps to fill? I think that, and I think people that are aware of climate change or like the climate crisis oftentimes don't know where to start. Mm-hmm. Obviously within the climate issues. There's a lot of different ways you can focus energy and attention, but what happens is when you start to hear what's going on, you get anxiety, shut down, and don't do anything. Mm -hmm. So my hope for soul is that it's like almost a sustainable gateway 
where we're kind of bridging the gap of people who care about the earth and care about the world, but don't really know what to do. We're like helping you start basically Mm -hmm. by making more sustainable decisions in your household, which my hope is that ultimately leads to or not, but could lead to, you know, really learning even more about climate or how to show up and help and take action locally in your community. So I look at it as a gateway. Um, the opening in Pittsburgh specifically was there, there wasn't a lot of great options, whereas like refill stores, you know, there's a, like 30 in Colorado and Denver, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't have like great solutions in Pittsburgh specifically. Right now, Soul Refill is a 15 mile radius in Pittsburgh. Um, and it was a timing thing. It just maybe wouldn't have taken off four years ago in Pittsburgh, but it seemed that people are becoming more aware and starting to care and just didn't really know where to start. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, something that I'm reminded of as you're saying that too, is like you actually co-authored a book with like (laughs) on this topic and I'd love for you to share like the title and where people can find that because I just think that's so beautiful and such like a an important contribution but I remember when you were working on it behind the scenes and I remind us like a what was that process like why did you choose to do that and what did you learn in the process of like co-authoring book that helped you to under, better understand or, or even further refine the concept of soul? Yes. So the book was called The Carbon Almanac. It was co-written um, by, oh man, how many people at this point were on it? When I started, there was about 50 people working on this project where everyone came together to create an almanac-like book, because what we were finding is that um, the climate catastrophe is so hard to understand, even for people that have like degrees in college and, you know, you hear different science things and you're like, what, what is even happening? It's so confusing. And Mm -hmm. so Seth Godin um, started the project and he's the one that brought everyone in. He was like, I would say like the highest editor. He was the leader of the project and he's known for writing almanacs, which puts facts to things in a simple way. So the the task at hand was to try to understand the climate catastrophe to about, I think we said an eighth grade level with facts only. Because a lot of times um, what happens with climate is there's all these opinions and thinking that um, makes something that is scientifically sound seem like (laughs) wishy-washy or Mm -hmm. um, one-sided, like this isn't affecting everyone, only one side cares about this. So the -hmm. goal was to like have it be facts, this is what's happening to an eighth grade level of people can look at this book and understand what is happening in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, now there are hundreds of people all over the world still working on this project. I had to back away. I worked on this um, the probably December, like four months before my business launched and once Soul launched, I stepped back, but it was 
the most amazing process of leadership. How do you inspire strangers from all over the world to come together and do a project like this? Mm-hmm. And they did. I mean, we finished it in three months. Wow. <laughs> about. That's um, wild. Like, yeah. You can, thinking about how long typically it takes to write a book of any kind. And then yeah. you add in multiple people, that many people, which in a way cuts your time down because each person is responsible for a smaller part, but also mm-hmm. it's collaborative and there's communication and there's editing and there's so much that has to happen yeah. in the process. It was That's pretty wild. crazy. Yeah. yeah. And so I, you know, now there's over 300 contributors from 90 plus countries and uh, it's out in the world. You can <laughs> really buy it in um, any major bookstore. And, you know, like really what it comes down to is the understanding that it's not too late, but we have to act now. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, like it's, understandable knowledge on climate change so that you can wrap your head around what action fits for you to take. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was a life changing experience and left me to be completely transparent with a lot of climate anxiety. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know if we chatted when I was working on this project, but I was in, um, about a three month despair Mm -hmm. (laughs) of being like, oh my gosh, this is what's happening. And, and um, we don't have, I worked on the scenario section. I was the editor of the scenario section, which are, it's like the science and running different scenarios about what, how much time we have and oh my God. the different degrees oh God. of warming based on where we are. And mm-hmm. yeah, so I, I learned a lot too in that I, don't want to operate from a place of despair when mm-hmm. it comes to doing the work, I think was right. my biggest takeaway um, because it's really easy to fall into climate anxiety where you just get frozen and don't do anything. Mm-hmm. And so with story fill and any other work I do in this realm, it's uh, like inspiration to change rather than coming from a place of fear and like being frozen (laughs) right and also I can see how like what's not working in terms of changing behavior is like shaming people exactly changing the way that they're doing something like if you're like ziplock bags are ruining the planet and you're evil if you buy them or whatever yeah exactly that's like not not gonna work right (laughs) and I think it's a lot of the work is seeing the humanity in all people. And I think this is where the yoga background comes in is like, we are all connected. Why mm-hmm. do we forget that? Mm-hmm. And like, once you have that realization and you feel this sense of community, not only with yourself, but others around you and then everyone, it's hard not to feel inspired to do the work when you feel a shared humanity mm-hmm. and responsibility. So true. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like almost like a prerequisite in your frame of mind to be able to even feel intrinsically motivated to change. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And I think that's another big thing, like being intrinsically motivated when Mm -hmm. we talk about starting a new business and 
how to like show up in the world. And if you want to make change, if you're sourcing your power from external validation, you won't go so far. Mm -hmm. Right. Like if you're in it to just please people or come off a certain way or appear like you're doing the work, but then it's all extrinsically motivated. This Mm -hmm. moment it's hard. You're going to stop it. Oh my God. That's so true. I just had a moment today. I mean, there are so many things that happen on a daily basis as an entrepreneur that like one email could easily send you into like a freaking tailspin rabbit hole where you're like, how did I get from like being on top of the world to being at the bottom of a pit and I can't climb out? Like it so (laughs) is, and it is anyway. And on top, and this is like, you know, nine years in, I'm not like just starting and it still feels that way sometimes. And I think those are the moments where it's like, okay, wait, what is working? Because something is this one email that's like annoying or inconvenient or like not what I want to hear right now is not the only thing happening. There are so many other things that are good that are moving forward that are positive right now. Let me like quickly bring myself back to those and make those the the focus and make those the sort of driving force. And then also remember that like, even if this wasn't working, even if I didn't have paying clients yet or whatever, like even if I didn't make any sales yet, I still want to do this. Yes. Like I still wanted to do this before those things were true. And that is the intrinsic motivation that keeps us all going versus does this person like me or are they happy with this thing? Or is there a problem over here? Or is there a challenge we can't solve in two seconds and that's going to require another week of time? You know, any of those things that pop up and it's so normal. And I think we often don't realize because we're not talking to other women about that shared experience. So we think we're alone in it. We think there's something wrong with us. We think we're doing it wrong. Or we think that, you know, like if there's something wrong with our business versus this is just what it is. And like, you're going to be on the journey the whole time. And you might reach these moments of like quick hits of dopamine where you like feel a win and then it's so temporary and it's like a what's next you know and you're keeping going because this mission is like lifelong or you know years long not yeah minutes (laughs) yeah that's yeah definitely something to remember (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) hard to learn I think there's I'm curious also if you have any like um stats in your mind around like what what am I trying to say I'm trying to ask you if you have any stats around like how many items we actually consume that are like plastic or like how challenging it actually is to like where are we currently and then hopefully through, you know, what you're doing with soul refill and then expanding that eventually, I hope, or, you know, other places popping up or other concepts like that. What, like, what is the goal (laughs) to get to? Like, obviously the ideal goal is like zero waste, zero plastic, but where are we starting from? Cause I feel like becoming more aware of that in my own home, I'm like, Oh my God this is terrible. We're look what we're doing. We have so much like on a weekly basis, even though we're aware of it. And then if I go travel somewhere, stay with somebody else, I'm like, 
this is terrible. Like we're actually doing great in comparison to yeah. a lot of people, but we're aware of it. So it feels re- like it's just a crazy thing to notice and be aware of in your daily mm-hmm. life. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I always everywhere. imagine or like suggest people start with kind of like a little plastic audit mm-hmm. you mentioned. Um, I don't find stats to be super helpful. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of fucking plastic. If we, mm-hmm. need, we know this, right? Like we a know lot. It matter that's what it matters. Millions <laughs> or trillions. We yeah. know that there are tons and tons and tons of plastic produced every single moment and less than, I think it's even it, the, the data was like less than 9% was of plastic ever created has ever been recycled, recycled. And actually since COVID, that percentage decreased from only 9% of plastic ever produced has ever been recycled down to, I think it's seven, don't quote me on that, but just know that it's actually a really bad number and went down to a worse number of <laughs> plastic. And we're oh fed the story that you feel better when you throw it in the recycling bin. And it's like, whew, I did my work. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what you need to know, I guess, is yeah. plastic is really bad. Um, it's not going away. And well, it's also probably like, isn't it in our like water and it's, it's everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. And I mean, microplastics are a whole other issue, but it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. What I like to focus on is the idea of reuse, because mm-hmm. what we're going, what I think, and this is like not stats or data or anything it's just intuition what I think is the next wave of greenwashing is companies changing their materials to not Mm -hmm. be plastic but they're still telling you to consume 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 so the Mm -hmm. real problem is consumption it's how much we buy so a whole other conversation maybe we put on a pin on this for now Mm -hmm. why the hell are we buying so much constantly that's kind yeah. of what I wanted to ask, I guess. Okay. So All right. Like, yeah. So let's, because let's that's a really little... like the consumerism issue in yeah. the U S right. And we're fed this idea that, oh, you just need more stuff all the time. And like, yeah, here you go. And, and, and like, nothing yeah. makes me more ill than seeing like so much like it, for kids for the, yeah. let's start with like people yeah. who have kids in their home these plastic toys that are like, you're not reusing that unless somebody else is, you're giving it to somebody else Yeah. after. And even then it's like kids grow out of that stuff in like two seconds. They don't even care. Yeah. And where is and all of it so, going? Like it's yeah, not, I even, think that there's not even getting that much utility out of so it. So much personally. that I want to dive into. I'm like getting a little overwhelmed, but just to circle back yeah. for one second, I think that to not be completely greenwashed in this next wave of all of these mm-hmm. companies doing new materials that are not, maybe they some are better plastics mm-hmm. or um, I think we should be focusing on reuse, which is mm-hmm. why Soul was like the milkman style. All the containers are returned, clean, and san- clean sanitized and reused. Like how can we reuse as much as possible and the items we consume. So mm-hmm. nothing is single use, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the goal. Okay. Yep. Yep. Because now there's a bunch of studies coming out that glass is actually not great. 
single use either, that it actually takes heck? more resources <laughs> to create glass. So that, so that's why I want to go back and say reuse mm -hmm. wherever possible. Mm -hmm. All right. Back to consumption. Am I allowed to read a quote Please, on yes. a podcast that's not mine? Okay. Mm -hmm. This is a quote that I came across from, it's um, The Limits to Growth, which I believe is a book. And it's, it kind of goes back to what we were saying about consumption. And I read this quote and I was like, yes, this is the work of us remembering how to be human before we were consumers. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. People don't need enormous cars. They need admiration and respect. They don't need a constant stream of new clothes. They need to feel that others consider them to be attractive and they need excitement and they need variety and beauty. People don't need electronic entertainment. They need something interesting to occupy their minds and emotions and so forth. Trying to feel real but non-material needs for identity, community, self-esteem, challenge, love, and joy with material things is to set up an unquenchable appetite for false solutions to never satisfied longings. Mm. A society that allows itself to admit and articulate its non-material human needs and to find non-material ways to satisfy them. In this world, it would require much lower material and energy throughputs and would provide much higher lemons, <laughs> lemons, <laughs> much <laughs> higher levels of human fulfillment. And I just think I read that quote because that's what's on my mind all the time. Why are we buying so much? What are we trying to fill? And it will never be filled by the things we buy. And it's so frustrating mm -hmm. to me. Um, so true. It's yeah. so true. I mean, oh, there's so much we could say about that. But yes, it's like this consumption culture, like fast fashion, more, more, more. I mean, it's like all over every industry you can look yeah. and find it, but it's wild yeah. how much we and consume. And so the things I think about are like, what does a world look like where people are satisfied in ways that are by like non-material, like they're aware enough to not need mm -hmm. to buy something to make them feel status yeah <laughs> you I think it, world, you know I think it looks like Scandinavia actually I think that's it looks like Denmark it looks like Sweden and where their levels Muslim. of happiness are higher right yeah so we yeah and where things are more minimal and where reuse is it never left the culture and yes. where like sort of a more circular economy is in place and where people's actual needs are pretty well met by government and society. And therefore you don't feel this insatiable need to overconsume constantly and have more and prove yourself and all that. And then there are other challenges that come up in that scenario, right. but there are far less than the ones that we're dealing with. I feel like in this country, um, yeah, because we, yeah. it's like it, it that like overconsumption and materialism almost goes hand in hand with the American dream, right? It's like yeah. earn more, do more, have more, be more. This like cycle loop of just more, more, more is better. And it's like to what end? The end of the earth, right? Basically, literally, yes, <laughs> yeah, and it's the end of the earth. <laughs> yeah, and it's more it's more easy now than it ever has been to overconsume so simply like I mean freaking Apple Pay on our phones I mean it's so easy to buy anything <laughs> mm -hmm. 
it's so easy to like have it immediately and have these quick hits and not have to be inconvenienced in any way to have your needs met or not non-needs you know met yeah it's urges met I guess you could say Mm -hmm. so true Mm -hmm. so true (laughs) okay let's come back to the sort of behind the scenes in your business for a second because I think this is all so amazing and, and important and I think what people might be thinking as they're listening is okay so like how did you actually get that thing happening off the ground. Like I know so many, there's a big gap for female founders and women entrepreneurs or however you want to define yourself as a woman who owns a business, right? Where they're, one, we often don't even realize how much money is on the table and available for female owned businesses and how many funding opportunities there are and what kinds there are and what kind is appropriate for you at what stage of your business and what, you know, all of those things. But also we don't really understand how to build a business that's bigger than, sometimes bigger than like a personal brand or bigger than something that is just us, that is actually like scalable and attractive to be funded. Yeah. I think that makes sense the way that I said it. So I think there's a, there's both like the external barrier of like actually understanding what funding exists. And then there's the internal barrier around like believing that your business concept, you as the founder are worthy of investing in. And then there's also the strategic barrier of like, are you building something with that in mind that is fundable versus something that is just probably going to be you forever, isn't very scalable or isn't, doesn't have the capacity to like grow beyond a certain ceiling. Right. So I'm curious to hear, how did you decide like what kind of funding resources to lean into, whether to self-fund certain things, whether to apply for a grant for certain things? Hey love, it's me, Emily. I'm interrupting this conversation to let you know about the Woman Up community membership because I'm absolutely obsessed with it and I'm pretty sure you will be too once you understand all that's available to you inside this membership. So inside our annual membership community for female founders devoted to doing things differently, we have a monthly schedule of virtual events exclusively for members, including a deep dive training on a relevant topic for your business and leadership development with me, a helpful tool or tutorial or template to help you streamline the backend systems in your business, a virtual members happy hour to gather socially with fellow disruptors from across the globe who you wouldn't meet otherwise, mini trainings from members on their areas of expertise so you can learn from each other and so much more. We are constantly adding features and tweaking things to make sure that this is the best possible experience for you and responding to what our members need in order to create new features and opportunities to collaborate and connect with one another. Plus, if you live locally to Charleston or you'd like to come visit, members get first access to in-person meetups and special members-only events like our Intimate Disruptor Dinner series. We also have a super active and engaged community where questions are being answered, solutions are being generated, challenges are being solved, aha moments are taking place, ideas are coming into form, collaborations and referrals are happening, members are hiring each other, and opportunities are endless between you and other members in both business and beyond. Our streamlined all-in-one 
platform makes keeping up with the latest events and conversations and your requests for support so easy and fun to use. You can even download an app to use on your phone, or you can access via a desktop version. Um, it's really, really amazing. And this is a change that we've made in the start of 2023. So this is new and really exciting. You can even post in our new VA on-demand space inside the membership to get access to hourly work from vetted, professional, highly qualified virtual assistants who are ready and available to support you with getting items off of your to-do list, moving projects forward, and staying on track in your business without having to go through the interview process to make a new hire or take on a recurring investment in your business to be able to hire a VA on a consistent, ongoing basis, which is fantastic and something I've never seen done before, but we are pioneering it in partnership with one of our members who owns an amazing VA and OBM agency called Her. It's not uncommon for members to make back their investment almost immediately upon joining when they truly lean into all the support available inside this membership community. Whether you're looking for a referral or something for something in your business or you're excited to be more consistent in your action, or you're just looking to connect with a vibrant community of fellow multidimensional and dynamic leaders, this experience is for you no matter what season of business you may find yourself in. I've never personally identified as a membership person, but this virtual community is so much more than a typical membership program. It's really a space for innovation, inspiration, intuition, and intentionality to be amplified amongst the most amazing women I've known on on the internet. I genuinely get so excited when I see messages come through in our circle community, even though I had no idea how to use this or <laughs> what platforms existed to create the experience that I envisioned and needed when I was in the earlier stages in, of my business and even now to connect with the right people and resources and tools that really help move things forward on a consistent basis. So if you haven't joined us yet, what are you waiting for? I promise you'll feel right at home, welcomed in with open arms, and really nourished by all the support available to you immediately upon joining us. And as a podcast listener, you're invited to join us inside the Woman Up community and save an additional 15% off our annual membership. This is a big deal. When you enter the code podcast at checkout, you can head to womanup.co slash membership. We've also linked it in the show notes for you, wherever you're listening to this conversation to learn more and get all the details and see everything that I shared with you laid out visually. I can't wait to see you and support you inside our community so we can navigate the nuance of entrepreneurship and the inevitabilities of evolution with more ease together. Now back to the show love to hear your experience with funding yeah. so far. So I will be honest and say I'm still figuring this out because I mm -hmm. had um, received a loan at the beginning and now it's like, okay, concept, you know, they're like proof of concept, proof of concept. It's been one year. And so mm -hmm. it's like, this is a fresh question once again, because now mm -hmm. it's like, okay, concept proved. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what is the next Step, right mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. that to say it's not something you figure out and then it's like oh all right cool right it's like an ongoing inquiry mm -hmm. um so when I was business planning what I was tending to do I it's, I'm really great at like gathering information from all different places and um kind of integrating it together to make new things right 
which I, you know, that's what I was doing. Business planning, writing the business plan was super fun for me, but the most help I received throughout the entire process was having conversations with people a lot smarter than me. So mm-hmm. I would have a question where I'd get stuck, right? There are people that will write work and also not everyone does a business plan before they start a business. Right. I highly totally. suggest doing a business plan because the work of you sitting down and going through all that is required to make a sound plan helps you think through and work through issues in this stage rather than when the thing's out in the world, right? Mm -hmm. So I highly suggest doing a business plan. Um, Had a lot of help through different community organizations, Blind emails, me reaching out to people that I thought might have answers. If they didn't, they led me to people that did. And through those conversations, I found that um, when the concept of soul changed to, from a brick and mortar to be more of this like delivery, I realized that the website essentially is the storefront. It has to be awesome. It's the entire experience, right? I'm like, it's going to cost a pretty penny to make <laughs> this how it's in my mind. Like I had exactly in my mind what it could look like. And then I'm like, oh, cool. That's like a 10000 to $15,000 proposition. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then the questions became like, okay, do I, do I fund that with my savings? Or like, what are the other options? So then I looked into different funding opportunities and through so many conversations. I came across Invest Pittsburgh, which is um, an awesome community community organization in Pittsburgh that helps you know small businesses start and stay, <laughs> essentially. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to go that route. I looked into different banking options. I looked into crowdfunding. I looked into um, many different types of loans. And I decided to go with them because of the low interest rate mm-hmm. and they have like a micro loan program. And so that's what I went after. So I like pitched them November of 2021 and was approved and then had money in hand the next February. So like November to February that let me start to build what is the website? What is the business? <laughs> right? mm-hmm. And I will also say, find amazing people to work with. Um, mm-hmm. I had an awesome subcontractor who helped build the website. It was worth every penny. I found, and I've built websites for other businesses. I've been on teams with companies that built websites for people I was working for. And they were terrible experiences. Mm-hmm. This, because like, it was so awesome. Like I loved the experience of building Solary Fields website because he was so good. And, you know, it's still one of my favorite things I ever built with someone. Like, it's just, I feel like it was a job well done and that just feels good. Mm-hmm. Um, that wouldn't have been possible had I not received the loan. I could have used money from savings, but then you look at the interest rates and you're like, it doesn't even make sense to use your own money. <laughs> like keep mm-hmm. that in, you know, keep that in savings, let it grow and then mm-hmm. get like a nice loan with a low interest rate. That was, that mm-hmm. was my path. And that came from really picking people's brains, other business owners, um, people from the URA, people from Invest Pittsburgh, 
um, and a variety of small business development corporations to like get mm-hmm. different views on what was best. Mm-hmm. I think what I'm hearing as you say that is the importance of knowing what the heck you actually need money for in a very specific, tangible way. Yeah. Before yeah. asking for it or before even understanding oh, what's yes. the right way to fund it. Right. right. So like grants are awesome because they can be, you know, free money, basically, that doesn't need to be repaid, but it has to be used in a very specific way. So if you can find Mm -hmm. a grant that supports the thing you want to do in a very specific way and you get it, awesome. Yeah. Loans can be great, but you want to make sure that there's like an interest rate that makes sense and certain loans aren't correct because you need much more collateral. You need to be able to borrow against stuff. You need to show proof of concept. You need all these things, right? Through like a bank or a traditional um, lender. Then you've got like self-funding angel investors from friends and family. Line of credit. Yeah. Line of credit, venture capital, your savings, self-funding, whatever. Like there are so many options. But that I wanted, I wanted to have control over Mm -hmm what yeah. solar refill was like mm-hmm. now <laughs> so um yeah different like investors didn't really make sense for me mm-hmm. um and I will say that I knew and this will be true for other product-based businesses I knew that in order for this concept to come across so solar refill has body pantry and home items and returnable glass containers and a bunch of other supplies I knew that in order for this concept to have a fair chance, I needed a rather large initial inventory. Mm-hmm. So that's also where that money went was like really figuring out how to make this concept useful, somewhat useful from the beginning so that mm-hmm. people could buy in. Like, right. what are these people buying into if it's not... <laughs> Right. If we don't have enough to actually be helpful. Right. 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 If your like supply chain inventory situation is not actually reflective of the experience that you're delivering and promising, then what are they actually like? They would more likely have a negative initial experience or a negative initial impression than something that is positive and keeps them coming back and loyal and giving feedback. Like the goal of soul is to not have items that fill that like you know like there's like wait needs and wants like mm-hmm. soul is your needs like you need to buy food for your family so I wanted to have a large pantry selection so that it's actually useful for you to shop soul right 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 and to um, get like more than just one yeah. like flower <laughs> from yeah. soul, so we're right? like yeah that's yeah. still it's a fine balance of adding more like what is enough and so yeah Mm -hmm. interesting Mm -hmm. but yeah Mm -hmm. yeah I think it's really interesting and I I just want to also put like a little asterisk in the conversation about like funding and website and all of that I think a lot of women spend way too much money on a website when it's not necessary yes (laughs) for their business not every business needs a $15,000 website at all not even close in this case you needed it to be very if you imagine it's like my storefront yeah exactly like that is not true for all people that's mm -mm. so good it's actually it's actually typically untrue for most businesses and I think I was having a conversation with someone the other day in a consult for an intensive and we were talking about her ideas 
to build her business. And she kept kind of like stopping herself or getting hooked on like, but how do we get the money to do this thing? And I think so often we can also stand in our own way or think that certain things are going to be way more expensive than they have to be to get off the ground. This is not the case for your business specifically. And you knew that at this point in time of like funding and building a website and all of those things, because you had done a lot of pre-work and Mm -hmm. all of that. But I think a lot of times for women specifically, because we have funky relationships with money often, because we're just not used to handling it and we're not conditioned and taught and brought up that way. Not everybody, but, but a lot of us. Mm -hmm that sometimes we can actually get really tripped up really early on in the process and not have anything moving forward because we're like, oh my God, but where am I going to get the money to do that? That's probably going to be really expensive before we actually know how much something it's going to cost. Like usually there's a way to do something and get it off the ground that like minimum viable product for really low expense and then test it, refine it, see what you need then. And like, make sales from a place. And I think not always, not every business model, but I think a lot of times that is typically the case. So I want to make sure that we're saying that also (laughs) so that people are like, Oh my God, I need $15,000 to have a website. And that's where I think it helps to do the business plan and to trust like as women, like trust that you have the discernment to not just do what other people are doing. Like that's where our like feminine creativity comes in where it's like, maybe your steps look different than maybe even a similar business right beside you. Most likely. But you're not them, right? (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's up to you to have the discernment of, you know, asking the questions, getting advice, knowing what advice to listen to and what not to listen to, which Mm -hmm. is huge because everyone has their own agenda. And so it's like, it's really try, it takes so much discernment. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's such a great point. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say something else and now I've interrupted what it was. No, it's okay. (laughs) I love it. I'm just like, wait, was that important? What was that? Um, anyway, I think what you're building is really such a beautiful, like disruptive, I think it's a great example of like a disruptive business model that looks different than what you may have experienced or seen before. Like you were saying, like even in an adjacent business within the same industry, or even within the same problem that you're both solving, there's a different angle and there's something really unique about the way that you're doing it. Um, and I think that's really the goal right now, (laughs) you know, like, especially for women entrepreneurs, like I'm so sick of seeing, or like even hearing the idea of like following industry trends and like what's happening in this industry and what's an opportunity to jump onto while it's young before everybody's doing it. And it's like, just create something totally different. Like don't reinvent the wheel in a way that doesn't make sense or solve a problem or serve any purpose really. Mm -hmm. But like, what are the ways that you can actually disrupt what's happening, solve a problem that matters, that's urgent and important for people? Like, oh, I know what I was going to say. Do you have a resource or a template? Because people ask me this all the time and I don't really have an answer. Do you have a resource or a template 
or a place that you found like a good starting place for a business plan? Yeah, I think I was actually working through your alma mater, Chatham Center for, yeah. Cool. There's a great um, Center for Women's Entrepreneurship. Is that Mm -hmm. Um, where I believe, so I did probably like at least three different workshops from different um, small business development corporations and Chatham Center for Women's Entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And so what I'll say is like every, most cities have an SBDC, right? Mm-hmm. Small Business Development Corp that you mm-hmm. can look into that has resources for starting a business plan. And also a lot of them offer, I think it's like three hours of mentorship, which is, I had a, I'll share this because I think it's really interesting. I, um, the first small business development corporation, I was, um, you know, they gave me someone to work with that didn't, he just didn't really show up. Like I just didn't find him to be super helpful. Uh And I was honest with them. And I said, look, this is not the experience I was expecting. This is the help I need. Can you please either assign me someone else or I'll have to go elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And so ever since then, I've been working with the director. <laughs> and he has been one of the best resources. We just get each other. He understands how I work and interact with the world. And had I not sent that email, that relationship would have never started, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, don't, if something doesn't feel right or something's not working, even in these like resources within these structures, like don't be afraid to just say that, right? Mm-hmm. And try to find someone that actually does work with you. I feel like so many people do this with like therapists, yoga teachers, all of mm-hmm. these things that you're like, oh, this is, you're going to this person because they're helpful. And then you stay because you're like, oh wait, yeah, I'm supposed to be growing here. They're supposed to be helping me. And mm-hmm. you just stay when actually they're not the person for you. Mm-hmm. you, you so it's like, again, like discernment comes in, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like, not being afraid to know and like grasp when something feels off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I would say that like those have been great resources for working on a um, business plan mm-hmm. <laughs> to go back to your question. Yeah. That's really yeah. helpful. Okay. What, so you are a founding member of the Women Up Community Membership and we're not even at our first full year yet. But I would love to hear, and I think what people have been asking me lately is like, who's in there and what is it like? And what's the vibe? And, you know, I've been getting a lot of questions that I'm like, um, I can tell you what I think, but I'm also not someone who's actively experiencing it in an unbiased way because I'm also <laughs> leading it, <laughs> creating it as we go. Um, so I would love to hear like, what's been your experience so far in, as a member, what's been like the most helpful thing, what have you, um, like what's happened in your businesses as a result, Mm -hmm. just anything you want to share. So I think in women up and in starting business in general is meeting all of the other business owners. It's like, you really feel like you've found, like, I feel, I'll just speak for myself. I feel like I've found my people Mm -hmm. in a way that I had not experienced before. 
So within Women Up, it's all these other amazing small business owners. You're like working through a lot of the same issues and there's great trainings I found to be very helpful. Um, and I think too, it's just having a resource to go to when you have a question. Like, I think I posted the one time, like, how do you start a podcast as easy as possible? Like, yeah. that was my question. Yep. Uh, and it was immediate. Like, I was like, oh, we yeah. use Anchor. Somebody else was like, this is something that was really helpful for me. Like, almost yeah. immediately. And it's so, so And I was awesome. able to start, like, we, so I, me, Mirage, and Leanna of In Spirit started our podcast in a week because we had already <laughs> had all the, the conversations. We were doing the conversations anyways. We knew we wanted to do a podcast. I mean, it was uploaded. Bam. I was like mm -hmm. so grateful that I didn't have to go back and like do all that work because I knew people in the community had done it already. Yeah. So it's just like lessens that learning curve when you have people that have like been through it, been through the experiences. And one of the best books I've read this year, which um, is about this is the book about perfectionism yeah the perfectionist guide to losing control yes yes so good that book recommendation was from women up and I'm super grateful for that <laughs> because it was so good yeah yes what would you say so another question that people have been asking me a lot lately about the membership is like what level of experience or like what industries are in there and my answer is kind of like all <laughs> yeah but also not in a way that like dilutes or takes away from your experience as an individual because so many things that we share like the trainings for example I feel like they're relevant at any stage because mm -hmm. all of these questions like you were saying with funding are always like a constant inquiry and like how can we better serve or how do we create really powerful offers or how do we market and sell the thing that we're doing like all of these things yeah. are constantly present questions as an entrepreneur mm -hmm. no matter what how many years you've been in it or how your business has evolved or shaped over time like everything's always changing and you're always going to need to ask those questions and have those resources so I would love to hear from your perspective like what about the way that things happen or what about the training specifically is has been helpful for you yeah, I think a lot of times as business owners, entrepreneurs, founders, whatever the word is, you just like, I know I get so caught up in doing the things like mm -hmm. even admin stuff sometimes that it's like woman up almost gives me that time to step away and work on the business rather than within the business, mm -hmm. which is so needed. And um I would say to answer your question about all, like, I think it's so helpful that all types of businesses are in there because then you also have resources when you need, like if I would need someone to do coffee for soul and I don't have time, like, I know that there's someone in there that does coffee. You have mm -hmm. like the VA help in there, which I think would be super helpful. I haven't personally used it yet. Um, but I think it's actually great that there's many different businesses in there because it's more well-rounded. So you have a lot of different perspectives to draw on that you might not otherwise get when you're just working in your business, in your industry. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And I personally am just so over like the echo chamber of the same regurgitated yeah. stuff in every industry. Yeah. It's like, literally, I keep saying this, but like, it's where innovation goes to die, not to thrive. Yeah. Like, it's just like, 
if if one more person wants to post something like how to build a successful coaching business or whatever, I'm like, kill me. Like that sounds mm-hmm. so boring. I already know exactly what you're going to say. I've heard it all for nine years. I don't want to mm-hmm. hear it anymore. Mm-hmm. I want to know how to build like a profitable, sustainable, epic business that disrupts the way that something happens in the world and makes it better. Not yeah. how to do, make myself wealthy by exploiting yeah. other people or something like that's not right. It. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, not it's it. Not. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely um, not. No, I think you, um, you spoke to this in a recent Instagram post, but I wanted to kind of extract part of what you had said, which is like the outdated, often covert ways that women entrepreneurs are coached or advised or encouraged to follow the mold instead of blaze new trails. And you said something like female entrepreneurs don't want to fit into a system that already exists and makes them like contort or shrink or limit their options. But instead we want to seek to build a new one, even if, and when outside forces are urging you to follow existing paths. And I just, I feel like you and I are constantly talking about this, like in our, (laughs) you know, for being friends for so long and all of that, but and within our own businesses and the way that we're doing things. But I think I'd love for you to share, like, what are some of the ways that you've noticed that women entrepreneurs are often encouraged to follow the mold instead of trailblazing something new or doing something disruptive? Yeah. I can speak to my experience in um, that, I get constantly asked about how are you going to scale this thing? How are you going to scale this thing? Mm. Like, you know, um, consistently as like, you know, in that entrepreneurship circle, all they talk about is scale and profit. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, what if I don't want to scale it beyond Pittsburgh? Is that so bad? Like, what if I want to become like the best resource for Pittsburgh? Is that so bad? Like maybe I won't get VC funding, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe you will. Yeah. Who knows? Like maybe, maybe I will. Maybe that's actually amazing, and maybe yeah. that is a big enough market to like kill it and make it a really incredible concept. For yeah, and so like what I think is, um, and I was just recently attending a women in business panel that just you know there was just like this feeling of women sharing their experience of even how they communicated and how that they, it sounded like they were kind of fitting in or communicating in ways that they just wanted to like then fit into like the existing structures, like almost like they were quieting themselves to fit into a mold. And it makes me think of like when I, and my, um, I would get into trouble in previous positions and probably why I will always need to work for myself from moving Mm -hmm. forward is I, can't hide stuff on my face Mm -hmm. (laughs) like if someone says something that's just like so absurd my face is like and I can't help it (laughs) and so I'd be in meetings with like really 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 important people and like they say something and I'm like (laughs) um where you know every other woman in the room fake laughs to make them feel better oh interesting and it's just like why do we do that and I just 
it's just not something I'm interested in. And so it's like, when I'm starting this business, it's like how I, I don't actually want to build this model to fit what exists currently. Like I want to build it in a way that creates freedom and is as useful as possible within mm-hmm. its means. And like, you know, people even now are yesterday, someone asked me like, what do you do? Do you work 60 hours per week? I'm like, actually, no, I don't. What? <laughs> 60 hours per week? What? Because I was like going through like what soul was and this um, and that and like in spirit and this and that. They're like, are you working constantly? I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> but they think that that's like what needs to be done in order to build businesses. And it's like, right. not really. Yeah. So it's just kind of like all of these um, ways that we understand business that like, it's not really true anymore when we have mm-hmm. tools and technology mm-hmm. to help us work in a way that's more efficiently. Like you don't need to maybe work eight or like a million mm-hmm. hours a day. No. And so it's just being smart and efficient and like how we work. And I guess what I'm saying is like what this, I'm not interested in fitting into the current business systems that have people working five days a week and only having time off on weekends and not really Mm -hmm. spending time with families. And I'm not really interested in working in systems that are constantly prioritizing profit literally over everything else and negatively impacting families, communities, and the planet. Like it's just not something I'm interested in building, Mm -hmm. but I don't feel that there's a new framework yet. And I think that's the work that you know, you and I are like trying Mm -hmm. to figure out like, what is this new path forward? If we don't want to fit into this, Mm -hmm. what, what is it? it? Yeah. Yeah. And determining that and the way that we make decisions and the way that we think about it and the way that we like weigh options and possibilities and all of that is, it has to be so different than what it's been. And I think that's really what I hope to bring to people through, you know, this podcast, through woman up, through all the things that I do so that we can actually have a new like operating system yeah. in place. Yeah. Like another idea or another experience comes to mind and I'll just share mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. quick as an example. And I'm like sitting in a room with very important people mm-hmm. and it was very clear that no one knew the answer to the issue at hand, right? Mm-hmm. But everyone there was pretending like they had an answer. And I just remember sitting there and being like, why can't we just be okay with not knowing and like, why do we have to put on this face? Like, I have the answer, I have the answer, I have the answer when no one does. Like, why can't we just like sit in the curiosity of like, we don't know and how can we figure it, figure it out rather than like pretending we all know what the hell the answer is. So like that's right. the other thing that was like, I feel like curiosity is a superpower. If you're not constantly questioning things like, I think there's a power in questioning things. And then like the power is not in having the answers. That's like mm-hmm. another structure. Like I just want to burn down, like what is so wrong with questions? Like not knowing. Mm-hmm. And it's how you find better outcomes and like yeah. create better exactly. solutions is by not yeah. knowing and saying, hmm, how could this be better? And like asking good questions. And I think right. that's what, like happens often inside of woman up too, is like, mm-hmm. we're having those nuanced conversations. Everything is nuanced. There's not one way to start a podcast. There is an easy way. 
there is yeah. a way that's like worked for other people before yeah. that like you could get it up and running in a week but yes. you know and that's things the other like thing. that that are more like straightforward but yeah the other the bigger questions that are like less technical and more you know about leadership or about how to make decisions in your business or about what to launch next or about how to create an offer suite or whatever pricing all of that stuff like it's not clean cut. It's not black and white. It is so nuanced. And that's the reality. I'm not going to lie to you about it It and pretend that I have the answer or you do. (laughs) Yeah. It like, then people stop because they feel like they don't have the answer. I'm like, that's not the game we're playing. Mm -mm. No, the game is more questions until we find a better solution. Yeah. That solves a challenge or like overcomes it in a creative different way. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. I love this. I could talk to you forever. I know. Um, I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> I know. So where can people find you on Instagram, online? If they're in Pittsburgh, where can yeah. they like purchase from Soul Refill? And yeah. where, I'm literally where pulling find... up my Instagram because I don't know what my handle is. You're but like, what my, is it? Uh, yeah. I'm busy so... doing other things. <laughs> um, Soul Refill is at Soul Refill. Again, that's Pittsburgh based. But In Spirit is... A virtual yoga community so that's for everyone anywhere and that is at in spirit community and I also post a lot on my personal which is at sydney s-y-d-n-e-y underscore alley a-l-l-i-e perfect we'll link it all up in the show notes for you guys so that you can just click and find her we'll also tag her if you're following me at woman up or at emily castle official so that you can find her accounts that way too. And you can put the websites for those items too. Yes. We'll put it in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining me. I know we've spent like the whole day together. We were planning before, before (laughs) recording this, we were finishing, um, the plans for the Portugal mastermind retreat because Sydney's coming and she's going to do meals and movement and all the things to help me. (laughs) We're going to have a nice little time together, some quality time. Um, and I'm so excited about that. I can't believe it. Maybe this will come out while we're there. Who knows? Oh, if yeah. we can plan it that way, that'll be great. Be so fun. we might be there right now. If you're yeah. listening to this. Ah! <laughs> <I'll> trippy. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank Anna. you. Okay. Keep your mind wide open. Keep your soul alive. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of Like Nobody's Business. So, what did you think? I hope you found this episode absolutely enlivening. If you loved it, I'd be so, so grateful if you'd help me spread the word by sharing this episode with a friend or a loved one you know would feel supported and encouraged by this too. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you won't miss an episode. It's also infinitely helpful to me and to my team if you take a moment to rate and review the podcast so that other trailblazers like you can find this resource, know it exists, and step out of struggle and into more ease. 
Thanks so much for sharing your time with me today and for taking this space to receive nourishment for your greatest vision. And in case no one told you this today, you are wildly brilliant, beautifully wise, and radically trustworthy. Keep shining your light so that all of those who need what you're here to share with our world can see, feel, and experience your unique medicine. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and I'll talk to you soon. Like nobody's business